if you're like me, you probably enjoy a good vacation because whether I'm hiking in the mountains or visiting a new city, there's something about getting away from it all that helps me reconnect with who I am, which helps me feel calmer and more tranquil. And it just melts away the stress of daily life. My guest today is Jen Ruiz. She's a travel blogger and has her work published in numerous publications and papers and magazines. And she has a lot of great information on how to travel smarter and cheaper. And especially right now with COVID-19 still very much present in our daily life, it's really important that we continue to, to strive to get back to normalcy, whatever that might look like. And travel is going to be a part of that. So she also talks about some tips on how to navigate the world during this pandemic and how to rearrange the way you've traveled in the past. So without any further ado, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Better America podcast. I'm your host, Billy Hatridge, and with me today is Jen Ruiz. She is a lawyer turned travel blogger. Um, She's spoken with TEDx and has a lot of really awesome information out there on the internet for traveling cheap, traveling solo, and um, especially right now during the COVID-19 crisis, traveling in America. So Jen, I want to welcome you to the podcast. And why don't you just start by telling people a little bit about who you are and what led you to be a travel blogger? Thank you so much for having me first. It's an honor to be here. Um, I just wanted to uh, start off by letting you guys know that I know that travel is not necessarily on everybody's minds right now, um, but I do think it's still important to discuss and it's something that um, can be learned and that now is the perfect time to really um, figure out where you're going to go, plan a bucket list adventure. Like there's still ways to incorporate travel into your life now. Um, And so for me, travel was really a saving grace when I was practicing law initially. I didn't really have any time off. I didn't have any that I looked forward to aside from work and occasionally, you know, professional networking events. So travel became something that was a release for me. It was something that would really make me happy. It was something that I could anticipate. Um, I would get a lot of joy just from the planning process of travel itself uh, and knowing that there was kind of this light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like I just have to make it through a month or two and then I get to be on sunny, I don't know, in sunny Aruba or, you know, climbing Machu Picchu or whatever the case may be. And I think that's what's so powerful about travel is that it really has that energy to motivate you, to make you excited about something again, um, because it's something completely different. And so for me, that was something that I embraced the year before that I turned 30. I actually threw myself into travel as a way of coping with that milestone birthday and understanding that I had a lot of personal things that I hadn't necessarily accomplished. And I think we all feel that way when we get to a decade birthday. So I took on travel as a way to distract myself and really have a way that I could just put all my energy into something productive, something that was going to give me something in return. I ended up taking 20 trips in 12 months while employed full time. Um, And it was a challenge, but very rewarding. And it led me to write my first book and transition to travel full time. Awesome. And so I think with travel, like you said, a lot, a lot of people are, are, are thinking about it, or if they are, it's, you know, we're going to go down an hour or two down to the beach or something and, and kind of chill there. But 
ultimately the better america podcast is about focusing on issues in society and kind of how we can better those and right now travel is one of the big issues our, our borders are closed flights aren't leaving but and people are broke you know and so when looking through a lot of your recent posts, you talk about, you know, traveling America, traveling cheap. So why don't we just kind of talk about that? What are some, some ideas, some plans, some vacations that the American family can take right now during this climate? Exactly. I, I absolutely think that there's been a strong focus on it because um, the travel industry has been hit hard. And so people have been rallying amongst their local communities, you know, getting takeout, supporting small businesses, all of these things that would normally be dependent on tourism traffic. Um, so there is an opportunity for us to you know, rediscover our own areas. I think we've had a lot of emphasis in traveling overseas, which I very much enjoy and I very much recommend. Uh, but for somebody who is budget conscious, for somebody who is, you know, limited on time, there are so many places here in the U.S. that people come from all over the world and they spend months here exploring because of how much we have to see, right? We really take for granted the fact that we are on a vastly varied continent. So you can be in Maine, you know, having lobster on the shore um, with, you know, the crisp breeze and uh, mountains and cliffs, uh, or you could be in the middle of the plains, you know, seeing bison and, you know, having a completely different experience. So there are so many different places in the U.S. to discover and bucket list places at that, right? Like there are ice caves and there are sand dunes in New Mexico and there are pink lakes and there are really cool places that people just don't even know exist in the U.S. Um, and so I would recommend starting off in your own state, somewhere that you can support locally, somewhere that you can control how long it takes for you to get there and back, somewhere that you can take your own vehicle, um, whatever the case may be, so that you feel like you have more uh, autonomy over your or, you know, surroundings and the things that you come into contact with. And then from there, you can really decide what it is that you do. And I recommend that you do something off the beaten path. So I lived for many years in Florida and there's opportunities to go, you know, paddle boarding in Florida with manatees that come in during the colder months because they're seeking um, refuge from like the colder waters. And so in like February and March, I mean, you have hundreds of manatees and you can just paddleboard amongst them and they come up and play with you and these are all things that when people think of Florida they think South Beach you know Miami right. um, but that is a really cool experience that nobody would even know or have and, and it's something that would really make you feel like you did something right it's a memory that's going to stick with you it's a worthwhile travel um, endeavor and so I think that there's a lot of those around the U.S. that you just have to look for. And, and now with the onset of so many different travel writers, um, so many different travel venues and, and uh, online magazines, there's so much information out there. And that's one of the wonderful things about this country is that we have such a rich cultural heritage that, you know, you can go down to Chinatown or you can go and explore, you know, um, like I said, the plains and see some of those things or, or, I live in Southwest Arkansas. And so I'm 30 minutes from Texas. I'm 45 minutes from Louisiana. I'm 20 minutes from Oklahoma. And all three of those states are so different from each other. Um, and so it, it's really wonderful to be able to experience the world while staying in this, in this country. When it comes to doing it on the cheap, doing it with a very limited budget, which a lot of families are experiencing, what are some tips and some strategies that people can be looking for? Because it can easily get out of hand if you're traveling, even just a, a day trip you know, to, to all of a sudden be out five, six hundred dollars. 
Sure, sure. Absolutely. I think um, just general tactics for me. I always try to make sure that I eat breakfast wherever available, right? If it's at a place that's providing it, I think knocking out the number of meals, especially if you're traveling with more than like if you're traveling with a family or a group, um, the less meals that you're eating out, the less that that will add up for you. Um, same thing with attractions. So if you can take advantage of free museum entry days, you know, reduce price hours, things like that. I always look for that. Um, and usually first weekend of the month, last weekend of the month, there's something happening wherever you're visiting um, and promotionally, and you can go to a free market. You can go, you know, enter this museum at night. And I look for all of that. So that's part of the research process. And again, the fun part of, you know, really being able to do a trip well. And I think there is something to be said for spontaneity, but if you plan a trip, you can be sure that when you go there, you know, the things that you wanna see are open, that you can take advantage of all of these reduced discounts and, and free stays, that you can make sure that you're not going at a time that's inflated or that the prices are up because there's a special event that weekend that you didn't know about, so all the hotel rooms are booked. Um, and so planning ahead really allows you to do better in terms of saving money, in terms of finding coupons, you know, different things that you can do to um, just really make sure that your trip is done ahead of time. Groupon, you know, is, is applicable everywhere. You can find a ton of different activities through Groupon. If you go to Vegas, you can get on the like link wheel for a reduced price most of the time. They vary, obviously. Um, but same thing, anytime you're in Orlando, you know, these big cities all have these ways that you can find and enjoy attractions at a discounted rate, but people just don't take the time to do it, right? And so now when we have nothing but time, it's the perfect way to really sit and plan. Um, I also recommend making use of America's amazing credit card system, right? So we live on credit, we love credit. Um, and if you really know, if you're a, somebody who's financially savvy, if you're able to pay off your debts, you know, at the end of every month, you could be utilizing these cards to pay for existing obligations and reap the benefits of points, miles that can be redeemed for free hotels and flights. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about attractions, um, because obviously right now there are certain attractions that are big no-nos uh, in the middle of the pandemic. But what are, what are some general places and locations that people should be kind of looking into as far as going on vacation? So I think it depends on your traveling style and what you are looking for. So some people really want to get out into nature. They enjoy the ruggedness. They enjoy hiking, you know, backpacking. That may not be you. Maybe you're a spa person and you think that your idea of a vacation is being pampered and having massages. And so all of that is going to really change where it is that you should go. Um, so if you wanted to go for that former kind of rugged, you can go to Yellowstone and you could hike and you could camp outside, right? And if you wanted to go for the latter, you could end up in Palm Springs and you can be in the like desert and getting all of these different treatments. So it really would vary depending on what your preferences and what your vacation style is. Um, and also who you have with you, right? So me as a solo traveler, I have a lot more flexibility than somebody who's traveling with four or five people a group, a bachelorette, a family, um, because you have to be able to do activities that, you know, the general group has consensus for. Um, so in those cases, I recommend things that have a variety of things, you know, um, theme parks are normally great for that. Um, but in the absence of that, I think with social distancing, it's going to be a matter of getting creative. There's been a lot of articles I've seen lately, like um, drive-in movie theaters, and um, which I love. I'm so glad they're making a comeback. And, and um, I saw one by River even that they were putting up a 
movie on the river and then people kind of paddle out to watch the movie on that's the awesome. river. So I feel like there's going to be, we're going to adapt because that's what we do. And so it's just a matter of finding what it is that you're interested in and the different offerings that these, um, you know, the companies that you normally be supported are doing. Sometimes some of them are doing virtual offerings, some are doing, you know, adapted offerings, but there's definitely all the tours and boards are working double right now to try to figure out how to fix, you know, how to draw people back in. Gotcha. And that's something that where I live, Hot Springs National Park is, is within an hour or two. Um, and that's the only national park anywhere close. But what's wonderful about Hot Springs is that you can go and you can do just two, three days doing just spas or shops or hiking or doing the outdoors stuff. And, and so those kinds of locations probably have a, a really good priority. And I guess for travel, it's this idea of you can go to one spot and have a bunch of different things to do. Are, are there other areas or other big, maybe not cities, but, but locations that people can look into that, that offer a lot of varied experiences? Well, I think this is the best time to go to those, you know, quote unquote, second tier cities, right? So maybe this isn't your best time to be going to your New York's or LA's or your Chicago's, but maybe they'd be a great time to go to your Rochester's or, you know, um, Santa Barbara's or, um, you know, in Illinois, I don't really know about Illinois, but like Grand Rapids, Michigan, or, you know, some other lesser known um city that's not necessarily the first place that comes to mind but has all of these things to offer is smaller so it's more manageable um and i love visiting cities like that I've, um, madison wisconsin has amazing outdoors you know some of the most biking trails in the country they have a frank lloyd wright house um you know all of upstate new york is phenomenal they have the longest zip line in north america they have lavender fields they have museums they have um castles so you can i mean literally tour castles it feels like you're in europe yeah. um so all over i feel like the u.s has so many arizona has so many off the beaten path places um, you can see the saguaro cacti, you can see the Grand Canyon, you can see these different, you know, Antelope Canyon and the swirling walls and all of that. So there's a lot of really beautiful places, Utah, the Grand, you know, Mighty Five parks. Um, and so there's a lot of places in the U.S. that people can go to that have varied activities and, and a lot of these states that you wouldn't necessarily think of just going outside of the hubs of the capital, you'll find so much life. Awesome. So those are some good things to look into, um, especially those secondary cities. My, my wife and I, we're not really big fans of the huge cities. And so we, t we tend to gravitate more towards, like I said, those secondary cities. Um, and usually, I feel at least, is a little more hospitable. Um, you know, you don't quite have that, that touristy vibe, I guess, when you're, when you're visiting the smaller cities. Um, but what about traveling solo? Because, you know, we talked about families and going, what, what are some strategies that people can take if they're on their own, whether they're, they're flying solo or they're traveling across the country in the car, some safety tips, some, some general things, guidelines to be looking for, for those people? Yeah, so that's my bread and butter. And I actually recommend to anybody who's sitting there thinking, you know, should I even travel solo to just stop? Don't even think about it. Just book the flight and go because it is the best experience. Um, I think everybody should do it at least once to understand what it is to have to fully immerse yourself in a new surrounding, right? Without the comfort of having your friend that you can rely on if something goes wrong or the person who speaks your language. So it's very, it's much more comfortable. And so it's good to be uncomfortable every now and then. So I feel like if you can travel solo, um, you're going to be so much more aware 
right? Even if it's just here domestically, if you're dropped in a brand new city, everything is taking in new information. Your body is just snapped out of like the complacency of everyday life and the routine um, because you're, you, you know, you have to be aware you're, everything's new. Um, and so it's really a great feeling. It's empowering. You feel accomplished when you can figure out public transportation somewhere new or find this really amazing restaurant, you know, that you didn't know was there or even make it through a meal alone, which is very intimidating for a lot of people. Um, but it's really wonderful to not be so anxious about like, oh my God, are people looking at me? Do I have to have somebody here with me? Well, they think something's wrong, but that rather like just breathe and be like, wow, this is wonderful. I can enjoy my meal. I can take in my surroundings. I can chat with the, um, you know, wait staff. I can catch up on social media. I've been taking pictures all day and I probably haven't posted anything because I've been busy touring, you know? So it's actually not this horrible end all be all that people make it out to be. And I think that once you travel solo, all of these things are part of the magic that make it so alluring and why people like to do it over and over again, because it's a different experience than traveling with others. Um, and I think that it can be scary, but if you let people know where you are, so I always have an itinerary because I've planned, right? So I know exactly where I'm going to be, what time I have the show scheduled, what time I'm going to be here. So I let people know my itinerary. I have somebody that's always waiting to hear back from me, usually my mom, because um, she's the only one that cares enough every day to check in. Um, but it's it's nice, you know, and it's we have a code, like if anything happens, this is the number of the emergency station to call in this city that I'll be in. Um, and so I think that just having that as a fallback, knowing somebody's waiting to hear from me, knowing that I have somebody who knows where I am, where I'm staying, like, it just helps me feel more confident um, that I won't be able to just go missing for days at a time and no one will have any idea. Um, like somebody would have an idea immediately. Um, and that's helpful to me. It, it's a securing and, and gives me peace of mind. Also having your phone completely charged. So I carry about five different backup batteries with me at any point in time. And that may seem excessive to some people, but a phone is your GPS, it's your way of contacting somebody if you have a problem, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of videotaping somebody if something's happening, like, there's so many different functions for your phone that it really is like my catch all one safety device. Um, and I make sure that it never dies so that I feel secure knowing like worst case scenario, even if I'm completely lost in a place that I have no idea, like, I can Google my way out of this, I can have right. Google like walk me step by step to like the nearest police station. And that will, I think that's, a, that's something you need. And running out of battery when you're traveling is a very common problem because you're never using your phone that much. So you don't realize how fast it'll go. So always bring backup batteries. Awesome. And the solo thing, I, I can attest to that. I've gone several work trips where whether it's Cleveland or Dallas and they're never big like touristy destinations, but, but it's a different experience altogether when you're by yourself. Um, in fact, every, probably every single solo vacation I've taken, I've made friends that we've connected through with social media. Whereas when I go with family or friends, that doesn't tend to happen because I have a fallback and I'm not making those conversations. And like you said, you're definitely more aware. I remember when I was in Cleveland, I was just more aware of the architecture and the landscape and the people because I wasn't constantly talking to somebody. Now that being said, there's a huge value of, of having my wife and my daughter with us when we vacation. But me sitting here talking to you, like, I would feel incredibly guilty if I ever just took a solo recreational vacation without my family. So, so what advice do you have for people maybe who, who feel kind of trapped in their vacation? You know, they always want to go to Grand Canyon, but their spouse doesn't want to. And now they're like, well, I'm never going to go because it's, it's wrong of me to go without, you know, the family. So what's some advice to kind of help work people through that, that, that fear? 
I think it depends on your dynamic, right? And I can't really speak to what's happening internally in a household, but I know that a lot of people make it work by just going anyway. Like I, I'm, and I know, you know, but I think if you have a relationship and you trust each other romantically and you know, you know, that this is, people go on business trips, people do all kinds of things. So if I was like, I really want to climb this mountain, um, I know you don't because that doesn't sound like fun, but I really want to do this. I would hope that my partner would be supportive and would tell me, you know, go ahead and climb the mountain. Um, I don't want to go, but take good pictures and best of luck. Um, and then I, I would, you know, and always giving them the opportunity to go, but I would hope that you're not held back by somebody that doesn't want you to go experience the world, right? And I've seen a lot of relationships that do make it work when people go and travel for their own reasons, because it's not something that necessarily everybody wants to partake in. Nobody, like I said, people have different travel styles. Um, and some vacations are rough, especially some hiking, nature vacations. Like that's very, it's a lot of exertion. Like, so whatever glamorous, you know, kind of Vegas shots somebody may have in their mind that you're having, that could be a completely different experience than what's actually happening. Um, and travel can just be because you want that time alone, because you want to reflect, because you've had a big life change, because, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think it's okay to understand that you are in, you know, as a human that you're able to kind of have these experiences and whether or not you have somebody accompany you is your choice. But if that person doesn't want to go, I would hope that you're not held back and that you don't spend your life thinking I should have gone and I didn't because that person didn't want me to. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure I respect all relationships, but relationships like 50% end in divorce and like and you know humans come and go like worst case scenario even if um you know anything happens like at the end of the day if you're gonna unless you're like in the notebook and you're all like passing away together chances are you're gonna have a time period where it's just you again and you have to be aware and happy with that just you person right because if you're just dependent on only those people to make you happy. If you're only depending on your child to make you happy, your child's going to grow up, live a life of their own. And then what, you know, if you're only dependent on your romantic partner to make you happy, that could breed resentment. You no, know, maybe isn't the healthiest thing. So you have to really be able to make yourself happy without other people. And you should have people, those people in your life that love you should understand that and be supportive of that and want you to be happy too in whatever crazy things you do. Understanding that you, there are values to doing things together, but there's also some things that it's valuable to do alone for everyone, for every teenage girl, you know, your wife, like they all have things that they need to be doing alone too, you know, right. that not everybody gets invited to. That's just the nature of humans. And so I don't think you should feel bad about that at all. Um, I think discuss it with your family, give your family the opportunity to attend, make as many, you know, or, or your romantic partner, as many joint ventures as you can, but don't feel bad if you do have something you really want to accomplish by on your own and don't feel held back just by nature of those relationships. And that's a soapbox of mine. And I'm going to step away from travel just for a second and talk about, but this idea of being your own person, because with COVID-19, what we saw a lot of people struggle with was, you know, I'm a teacher or not me personally, but you know, this idea of like, that's my identity. And then when I'm not teaching anymore, I don't know who I am or when they're laid off or empty nesters who make their lives about their children. And then when their children move out, they're left kind of wondering who they are or relationships, you know, just dating and they make the other person their entire source of identity. And then they split up and they don't know who they are. So it's really important to make sure that you you're taking care of yourself. You know who you are, even if you strip away your career, family, friends, all those things, you kind of understand that who you are, because I'm sure as a travel blogger right now, um, you kind of probably struggle with that a little bit with not being able to travel as much, but you have to, you know, still understand that you're still you regardless of, of the external circumstances. 
Absolutely. That's been something the entire industry has seen and a lot of travel bloggers have struggled with, right? And they've just doubled down and they've only known how to do one thing. So they're like, okay, well, I can't travel anymore. So I must start a food blog now because everybody's inside. Um, and that's been, you know, so many food blogs have been launched. And for me, I'm like, well, hold on. Before I go scrambling to try to figure out, you know, how I compensate for this, why don't I just kind of enjoy being in the moment, understand what it is I do want to continue with, you know, finish up past projects and not be in such a rush to identify myself with a particular, you know, analytical measure. Like, so whether it's a certain number of blog views or certain income level, things like that, like none of that really makes me who I am. Those are all bonuses, but because of who I am, I can reach. Um, but I really think that it, it's in the meantime, you really have to just be okay with you, right? And, and, and who you are and in your own company. And that's why I love solo travel because it forces you to confront that person and be like, are you the person that you want to be? Are you okay, you know, with your own company? That's awesome. Um, well, let's talk about solo travel a little bit more for, because for me going on a solo travel, it looks a lot different than if my wife does or if my daughter, when she gets older, starts traveling. Um, because unfortunately there's a big gender difference in traveling, especially internationally. So I know one of the things that you like to talk about quite a bit is, is female solo travel. And I think a lot of, a lot of women probably are reluctant to do that because of those additional fears and concerns. So did you want to talk about that a little bit about what, what female solo travelers can be looking at as far as being safe and, and being smart and they're going on? Sure. So a couple of tricks I've picked up along the way. Um, so the planning definitely helps for all the reason I mentioned, having somebody who knows where you are and knowing where you're heading, right? So that you know that right after this, you're heading down the block and like around the corner to catch this bus or calling the Uber so that you're not walking lost in a new setting, looking at your phone while you're out and about. That signals to people that you're a target. And these are just skills that I've learned from living in rough cities, right? I grew up in Philadelphia. I went to law school in Baltimore. Like there was a lawyer sitting outside the courthouse once and she was sitting there texting somebody after her victory somebody ran by took her phone and kept on going and I, we were like mm, why did you have your phone out you know better than to have your phone out in the middle of the street um and so it's just like these are things that i have picked up in my own you know just living in 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 rough cities and so I think when it, when I travel, it really helps me because I'm more aware. So I'm aware I don't want to look like a tourist. I'm aware that I want to walk with purpose. You know, you don't want to sit there meandering, you know, just strolling, how beautiful. Like, definitely you can do that, but, like, do it in a garden where it's okay to do that and everybody else is doing that too, right? Like, you don't want to be doing that in the middle of the street in Singapore or, you know, in a busy city, Detroit, because you're going to look like, oh, my God, this girl just dropped off of, you know, fairyland right. and has no idea what she's doing and she's going to be the prime target for robbing um so you don't want to look that way you want to look very confident you want to walk with your purpose you want to walk quickly you know you want to know where you're going that's why i don't recommend being lost and sitting there like uh you know holding your phone up to the air trying to get service trying to figure out where you're turning like know where you're going already ahead of time and that's where planning really helps if you don't know where you're going step inside somewhere so you can catch your breath you know go into a cafe get a donut sit down and do that thing with your phone that i was talking about earlier when you're sitting there eating alone um, and that's your time to figure it out but you're not figuring it out on the street when other people are watching you and potentially noticing you because you're a new element in their setting um, being very careful about hotel rooms where you rent where you stay I review all of the reviews for places before I go I will filter through reviews for certain keywords and things that are important to me. Um, so if you're concerned about safety, if you're concerned about locks, things like that, just filter through TripAdvisor, go to reviews, booking.com reviews, and you can read up on that and what 
people's experiences were. And I always filter that. I mean, it could be a thousand reviews, but I will read every review that has, you know, that, that one particular term that I'm looking for. If you're going to be um, staying somewhere, you're always better off staying at least, you know, second floor or higher. So you don't have necessarily people right there at the window, closer to the elevator so that you're not walking with your heels and letting everybody know that you're a single woman walking alone down a long corridor because that signals it to everybody in the rooms that you pass on the way there. Um, so these are all things that we have to think about and it's okay because after a while it becomes second nature um, because that's how women are honestly all the time. We, we're right. tough and we have to think about this stuff all the time. We don't have the luxury of just going around like um, but that's what makes us so capable of doing this. And so if you are a woman that already does this, when you leave your work, you know, if you hold a key between your fingers when you're going to your car, because, you know, there could be somebody that, you know, jacking you when you're just trying to get home. Like, those are all things that I've had to experience. And so doing that on your everyday settings, which I'm sure women have had to do, will means that you will be just fine doing that anywhere else. And you are already more than prepared to travel solo to any other place. Because essentially, uh, cities are cities, um, you know, and mm -hmm. there, there's such a vast difference, but a lot of the same threats, a lot of the same worries and concerns exist, whether you work in the rough part of town, and then you travel and you find yourself in a rough part of town, there's still all the same strategies to, to consider and to take into place. And so that, that's great to hear, um, especially the part about, it's like the second and third floor is usually where you want to be in a hotel, right? Because anything higher, you have the fire risk, but anything on the first floor is a big no-no. Is, is that something that you just call up and, and tell your hotel that you want something on that floor? Because I always just book on the Expedia app and I just get the room they tell me to get. So how, how do you go about making sure that you're, you're getting placed in those rooms that you want to be placed in? A couple different ways. You could make note of it in your reservation initially. So they do have like a space for you to request certain things and they'll try to accommodate that as best as possible. You will have a better chance of being accommodated if you're somebody with a credit card with a hotel with a frequent, you know, loyalty program with them. Um, and you can use that. You can call them and, and ask them to make that arrangement once the booking has been made and they'll usually be accommodating because it's a hotel customer service person. You're not physically there in front of them asking for something to be fixed right now. So this is something they could do to make you very happy and right. ha not have somebody yell at them that day. So it's usually a pretty good way to go about it. Um, and last case scenario, you could just ask when you arrive at check-in. At that point, they'll have different, they may or may not have different rooms available. Um, you can try to book an accessible room that sometimes they'll have extra accessible rooms available. I'm not trying to suggest that you book any if they're, you know, for accessible people, but I've sometimes booked and they have, you know, a ton of different accessible rooms that have been open. And so it'll show like, you know, 20 different rooms I'll call and make sure um, and but those are right next to the elevator and so okay. I don't mind being placed in those um, and that's why if they're open and available and not needed by people who are except you know handicapped accessible um, then I would recommend that that it's also one way that you can ensure and you'll know because they'll put those rooms on sale like they're trying to get rid of them because they're they're open um, right. so the other rooms will still be full price but those will be you know because they don't know they're not expecting en the, enough people to fill those rooms capacity Right. And so that, that's something else to consider is, is double checking with the hotel about those cheaper rooms or those rooms that might be, might be empty. Um, you had talked about quite a bit about planning and that seems to be kind of the, the, the first thing you want to do is, is sit down and plan out your trip. And for me, that's always so intimidating because there's a bazillion things to do. I, I don't know what to look at first. You know, I found this, um, this museum and it looks wonderful, but it's open three hours before anything else in that area is. Or, so, so what are some things when people sit down 
and they say, okay, I want to go to, you know, I want to go to Dallas, you know, for a three day trip. Like where do they start planning? What are some of the, those first steps in, in planning a trip? When you're just starting to research um, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, all of those are your friends, right? So if you already follow somebody who's a traveler that you've seen go to places, um, if you're on Pinterest, Pinterest is huge for travel. Um, and it's sometimes where I go to find less, more off the beaten path stuff because Google has trended towards promoting bigger channels. And so what it'll show you is, you know, the CNN, the, you know, NBC, all of this stuff first. And so you have to go really two or three pages in before you get to the bloggers. And I like the bloggers because a lot of times they're locals, they know the hidden spots, they're just more in-depth coverage. Whereas some of the articles on page one that aren't, you know, will just kind of repeat themselves for the highlight spots. Like everybody knows to go to the Empire State Building in New York, tell me something new, you know? Um, So, and that's where I think the bloggers really find the unique things. Like, oh, there's a Game of Thrones pop-up, you know, bar that you can go to. Like, that's the cool stuff I want to know about. So Pinterest is a great place to find those kind of itineraries. And you can just go in and type, you know, just that Dallas two days, Dallas one week, you know, whatever the case may be that you're looking for. And you're going to see a ton of images pop up. You can start browsing blog posts and getting an idea for what the cool things are to see. You can search for those terms, you know, in particular, unique things to do, you know, things to do in the summer, kind of narrow it down, things to do for adventure lovers. So kind of bring in your niche. Um, And then once you have an idea of the things that are available, once you see like, oh, that's really cool, I didn't know that existed there, um, put it in a master list of really cool things that you would like to see on the city. Like just, oh, that would be nice, oh, that sounds cool, things like that. And then from there, you're gonna go and kind of narrow it down, see if you can group them by regions, things like that. Oh, like these are all in the historic region. I could probably knock all of these out in a half day. Or these are all, you know, in this other part of town, the arts district, and these are, you know, things I could do there. I saw this really cool bar and the next, like this mural street. Um, so these are the things where you start to like now associate and group the things on your list. From there, it's going to become prioritizing what you really want to see, right? So like what maybe the arts district, it could be a happy bonus, but like you really want to be sure to see like that castle that's in the middle of the city. Like, so um, you want to then prioritize your groups. And then you want to go in depth into them and see, so what, then you want to know, like, for sure, I want to go to that castle. Okay, let me go to that castle's website. Are they having any special events? Are they having any promotions? You know, things like that. And that's when you then narrow it down to the hours that you're going and fit it into your itinerary. It's for me, it's a fun puzzle piece game. And again, it's not something that you have to do. If it's something that that sounds like, you know, too overwhelming, at the very least, get like your top three to five sites you want to do because if you don't plan ahead at least to some extent an example of this i had a friend who went to athens and she didn't realize that the parthenon the the you know the big thing in the middle of athens that everybody goes to see um she didn't realize that it was it had reduced winter hours and so they closed at three and she didn't get there till five and then she had to leave the next day so you went all the way to athens and you didn't get to see the parthenon you just saw from the outside like and it's okay. I mean, it's cool. You're close, but you're so close yet so far. Like you just, you did not get there. And that to me would just kill me. Like right. that would mean, that would devastate me. So I do not let that happen. So at the very least, know your top three things that you want to see, your top five things that you want to see and research those in depth so that even if you're just kind of winging it, going as you go, you know, in general, like, oh, on this day, I want to make sure I make it to this place. Gotcha. And that, that happened to me when I went to Cleveland for a work trip. It was, um, I got in actually early the first day and I was like, I'm just going to chill at the hotel. You know, I, it's been a long flight. It's been all this stuff. So I'm just going to hang out here. And then the next day, the, 
uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I could see from my hotel. And I thought, when the conference ends tomorrow, I'll go check it out. And then I get over there and they're like, oh, the tours are closed. You know, we're closing in 30 minutes. You can check out the gift shop. And I was like, you know, oh, that there went that. I could have, you know, <laughs> a quick Google search would have, would have told me to go the day before. And so always kind of checking that stuff out helps. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a bum deal. It was a lot of walking to get over there, but we've exactly. talked about. Exactly. And that's what I want to avoid because I've been there and now I avoid that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we talked about, you know, the budget travel, the, the traveling solo, the, this idea of like traveling in the COVID-19 world and, and, and sticking to, you know, local destinations, sticking to, you know, areas that aren't as populated or as big of a tourist attraction. But let's say that things return to normal or people are still living in the normal. There's still a lot of families who are still working full time who um, might not have the opportunity or the time to travel like a lot of us do who are kind of in limbo. But what is some advice that you have for people who are working full time who have a difficult time kind of scheduling out travel? Because my wife and I used to be there uh, back before I had it. We both work. We were both career driven people. And we had all these things we wanted to go do. But it's like we have to take off work. And then that's not money that we're making. And. And so how do people fit in travel to the, these busy lifestyles that they have? Yeah, listen, I get it because that was definitely me as, as I was a young associate. My bosses resented when I would take time off. You know, they would like, technically you have the time off, but nobody allows you to breathe. You know, they're messaging you when you're away. You, then they're, you make, make you feel guilty about taking the time off. Um, I got a new job. So I mean, and because that wasn't sustainable. And if you're in an atmosphere like that too, you need to realize that that place is not, and I will say both of the firms that I left had that in common. The first firm as well, um, I had put down a vacation for, you know, winter break. I was going home to see my family for the holidays and I had had it on the calendar for months. And then they decided to tell me in December, like, oh no, like that's not permitted. It hasn't been on the calendar. And I was like, well, listen, so, <laughs> because at that point I was going to, anyway, I was going to take time off afterwards to study for the bar and then come back. I was like, I could just quit. Like I could just not come back. That's totally fine. But I'm going home for Christmas. Uh, either way, I'm going to take the bar after this because I was working at that point for my second bar exam. Um, so when I transitioned in that middle ground, when I was barred in Maryland, but still pending the Florida bar, I was working okay. as a law clerk at a firm. So I was like, listen, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to I'm not going to miss my holiday and my Christmas to be here in this office. Um, and if that's not okay with you, then I quit. Um, and I think that that's maybe, again, something that's a benefit of me because it's only me that I have to take care mm -hmm. of, right? Like I don't have children or things like that. And not everybody has that ability. But I would definitely recommend looking for another job if that is something that you find yourself in consistently because that is not sustainable and that is going to kill your spirit and it's going to make you resent that job and i have seen so many legal you know administrative assistance workers that that is them and i've and i guess that's been my deterrent because i see what 30 years of that will do to you and i've seen them three decades later just the diligent person who's just been there day in and day out but hating it and every little day you know leaving a piece of themselves behind until they're just a zombie shell of what used to be a bright joyous person but they're dead in their eyes you could see it and like that just was not going to be me and i would see that every single day walking into the law firm everybody just hated being there and i was just like this is not i'm not going out like this i did not work this hard to live this kind of life and so if that's you look for another job the best time to look for a job is when you have one you may not find one right away but you can definitely aim for a place that has more of a work-life balance when I switched from private law to a nonprofit I was able to get bank holidays so suddenly in addition to my 10 days you know a vacation a year I also had these random bank holidays that would pop up MLK day you know 
the 4th of July, things like that. Um, and so that really gave me flexibility because now if I have 4th of July off and that's on a Tuesday, I think even one year we had a gratuitous day off on a Monday. I was like, nonprofit is the best um, just because it fell on a Tuesday. Um, and so I had, you know, I took off Friday and with one day off, I had what, five days of vacation. And it was one day that I used for my leave time. So it really, um, look for a better job first and foremost, if where you're at is just a place that is like, no, you don't get to live, breathe, or be happy ever. Like that's a horrible job. Find somewhere else. Your talents will be better appreciated and you will be a better functioning employee somewhere that you are happy, balanced, and able to really take time for yourself when you do. Um, and then just negotiate, negotiate time as well. You know, in a nonprofit world, people couldn't necessarily give you a bonus every year, right? Because that's not in the budget because we have fixed funds, but okay, you can't give me a bonus, but I did really well. So maybe you give me an extra day off, or maybe you get like staggered vacation or different things that you can do um, to negotiate. So, and the best time to negotiate is when you're getting hired, when you've done something amazing in lieu of a bonus, you know, at the end of the year, if you find that you're getting one end of the year, I got like a gift card, a $50 gift card to like Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, well, this is nice, but I have friends in law firms that are getting $500,000 bonuses and I got a $50 gift card to the Cheesecake Factory. Awesome. So like, that's the time to be like, thank you for the gift card. Also, can we rediscuss my vacation time? I'd like to, you know, right. I think that, I, you know, so um, and those are all things that you can be doing because if you don't prioritize that before you know it, it will be decades later. You will be wishing that you had, you'll have impediments that will keep you from really fully being able to travel in the same way and you'll regret it. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I'm both of my company for a little bit, but um, you know, when my wife and I were planning a mountain lodge retreat uh, last year and I wanted it to be a no phone thing, I was like, I don't want to be plugged in, but as a supervisor, my phone's going off. I mean, this is, this is my, my computer, this is my work, you know? And so I, I talked to my boss and I talked to one of the assistants that worked under me and said, this is what I'm doing. And everyone was so just chill with it. Like, yeah, no, we've got you. You deserve this. Like, go have fun. You know, we're going to cover you. And, and that in and of itself made such a big impact on our vacation because I felt at ease knowing that it was being taken care of versus if Oracle company is like, Oh, if you, you know, if you want to, or, you know, kind of grumble and complain and, and made me feel guilty about taking it. So Exactly. I definitely tell people that you, you want you want a job that or a employer that supports your priorities in life, whether that's vacation, whether that's just pure money making or, or whatever you're you're looking for out of your work. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about how people can reach you? I know you've got a, a book out. Is that right? You've got the one book and uh, some other things that you've got going on. I do. I have four books, actually. Oh, four so books. The first, okay. <laughs> the first three were travel related. Um, one, uh, the affordable flight guide, how to find cheap flights around the world. The second one, how you need a vacation. So a brief you know, primer on everything we've talked about now here today. And then the solo female travel guide. So about solo female travel. Those are my first three. My most recent book, um, now switching to kind of a remote work entrepreneurship theme is 25 ways to make money online. Uh, it talks about the different ways that myself and friends have made money and been able to transition ourselves to working remotely um, with no matter what your skill set is. You know, for me, it's been learning digital marketing, writing, you know, public speaking, things of the sort. Um, but I've had friends who are accountants. I have friends who, you know, are like to knit and they've managed to make different um, livings uh, offline, be uh, online with those skills. So that's what my new book is about. You can also find me on my website, jenonajetplane.com and under social media and on the same handles. So Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Jen on a Jetplane. 
been on Jet Plane. Well, Jen, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome having you. You had a lot of good advice, a lot of strong recommendation for people who are wanting to travel, whether right now or waiting for things to calm down. Um, I just got one last question for you. What does a better America look like for you? I think a, be a better America is filled with people who have less regret and who are more willing to do things that make them happy and make their life worthwhile and less scared. This has been the Better America podcast. To help this week's guest with their vision for a better America, be sure to check out the show notes or visit theotdad.com slash betteramerica to find out more about supporting their vision and policies. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever your podcast app may allow you. And always be sure to share the show with others. Thank you for listening and Godspeed.